Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Speak Out Loud podcast. Yes. We are so glad you're joining us here. We are in the Christmas season. We I mean, are it's, officially It's here. on. Um, if you've not been out to the stores, if mm. you've just been getting maybe tons of packages at your door, that's yeah. how you're shopping these days, it is definitely here. And we are really excited you're here today listening because that is our topic today. We have a special guest with us that we... Uh, are really looking forward to hearing from, and it's a friend of ours, Deanna James. Deanna is a therapist here in Oklahoma City. Deanna specializes in treating eating disorders and other mental health issues. We're going to have her share about herself in just a second. Deanna and I, and Stacy too, we've all gotten to know each other uh, because we've served together the last several years on the Oklahoma Eating Disorder Association board. So that's been a pleasure to get to serve with you and I'm a lay person, and Deanna's a professional, so I feel like I've learned a lot these last several years. Absolutely. And uh, Deanna, I just want to brag on you a little bit, was just honored with uh, our mm-hmm. recent event with kind of a Lifetime Achievement Award that the mm-hmm. association presents and uh, for her work both as a therapist and navigating the uh, organization through a lot of time and years and challenges in the pandemic and different mm-hmm. things. So, Which is a huge accomplishment oh, because yeah. a Lifetime Award when you're your age, she's not old. She's very Yeah, young. I was going to say, don't, 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 don't get the wrong impression with her age, certainly no, not. But, I mean, it's just amazing to me. I was very excited for you, Deanna, and it's totally deserved. So. Definitely. Thank you. Yes. Well, Deanna, we want to welcome you and yes. uh, just give you a chance to share a little bit about yourself before we jump into this topic today of navigating the, the holidays, navigating Christmas mm-hmm. and just whatever the holidays look like for you. We know that can bring a lot of challenges, so... We've come to an expert, and uh, Deanna's going to help give us some ideas, encouragement, guidance today. But before we do that, Deanna, just anything you'd like to share about yourself? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. I'm excited to be here. Um, Yeah, so I'm a therapist here in Oklahoma City in private practice, and I am also um, a dance therapist and a licensed professional counselor, and I've been working in this field with eating disorder clients for a little over 15 years now. Mm. Okay. And um, so it kind of came into it literally straight out of school, working in all different levels of care. I worked in residential and partial hospitalization, intensive outpatient, and now in outpatient. And Mm. so I love working with clients with eating disorders. Um, It's a big passion of mine. And I love love serving with you on the board with OEDA and all of the advocacy work that we get Mm -hmm. to do. And I live in Edmond, and I have a wonderful husband and mm-hmm. two beautiful children that yes. are 10 and 7. Oh. And um, so they are ready for the holiday season. Yeah. Um, they have no anxiety about the holiday <laughs> okay. season. They're ready to go. Bring um, them in. Yeah, right? You know, 10 and 7, I was actually talking to a friend the other day, and I think his kids are about the same age. And it was, we just says like, that is prime time. That is the sweet spot. It's also just the sweet spot in life in general, because we're not to adolescence and all the angst and all of that, Mm -hmm. but we're not in the young toddler naps, fits, all of that. I mean, that, that elementary age to me is like the sweet spot. And I'm Mm -hmm. like loving every minute of it. Oh, I bet. And just like prepping for the like I know what's gonna you know I know sure. what's coming around the bend my my son goes to middle school next year so okay. I'm like okay there you go yeah well I'm gonna date myself some please don't because I'm gonna think back and say <laughs> I mean that age for me too. I'm thinking back about uh I mean still one of the greatest Christmas presents I ever got was probably when I was seven or eight and it was it was whatever came out that year it was the Death Star Star Wars action figure I mean it was like three-story deal it was yes. a Big deal. Now, we're talking like the original Star Wars, but 
I mean, that was probably that seven, eight years old. And man, that was, that was prime time Christmas right there. So yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh yeah. Well, as we kind of lead into that then, um, with Christmas on our minds and things, yeah. just as we jump in, what is maybe a favorite Christmas tradition for your family or a favorite Christmas memory? Anything come to mind just to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. right off the bat? Well, for me, definitely. Um, just getting to be more present during the holiday season than I've ever gotten to be in my kids' lives. They're 22 and 25. And I can just remember as they were growing up and everything being basically a body, a shell at a holiday and wanting so bad to be more present, but really not knowing how to get there, not realizing um, or accepting the fact that I was as sick as I was. And so when now when they come home and I'm the mom on the front porch waiting to run out to the car, that's where it begins for me. And I'm just thrilled with it. And they still get very excited. They still write Santa notes. You have to believe in Santa to be at the Get Singer household. I'm with you. So I like it. We do it all. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many, like we have so many traditions and all the things, but I think my favorite is something we started even just, um, I think we just did it started three years ago and we, we took this um, tradition of the Jesse's tree. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. So it's a, I think it's a traditionally Catholic thing, okay. but it's literally just, there's a a symbol and a uh, Bible verse, and it tracks from like creation all the way through the birth oh, of wow. Christ. And okay. you, it's like an advent calendar, and so you do one each day. Mm-hmm. But so we have these little bags that are hanging, you know, on on wire, and each of the bags has um, a little like magnet that has whatever the image is and the and the Bible verse, and then it has I put treats in the bags, and so they don't oh, know what treat okay. they're going to open each yeah. day, and oh. so then they do the treat, and then we go through and we talk about. Um, that verse and we talk through different things about it and we watch videos about it or we, you know, do whatever or we act out a little skit together. We do such fun things with it and it is that just is so really such neat. precious family time. Yes. And I, awesome. I love it. And so that's a great idea. It's really fun. We get to start tonight because it's December 1st. Okay. Right. So. Well, and that's so intentional, Deanna. I love that because you're not just skirting through it and everything and, and just going, let's just get to the day. Let's get to the day. But you're being intentional and getting to enjoy these steps with your kids. That takes a lot of energy, of energy. After coming home and have listening, been listening to people all day and interacting with people all day about their deepest hurts. And so, way to go. Thanks. Way to go. Thanks. It was my, it, well, I have to give a total credit to, it was my husband's idea, and mm-hmm. then I, you know, just kind of put it into action. That's so. awesome. That's beautiful. Y'all well, a great team. That's really neat. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, I was just thinking, I grew up in a, a family that had a lot of traditions, and I was really blessed. Just over Thanksgiving, we went to an aunt and uncle's home, and didn't know this was going to happen. She pulled out just some things from growing up and some pictures that I had a chance to look at. And it was really special for me to get to see that because we always, my grandparents always took the family out on Christmas Eve to a restaurant in their town. And then we would usually go to a service at their church. And when we were little, we'd come back and spend the night at their house, you know, before we then get up the next day. And that was just always a great memory. And I would say, Stacy, one of the things I was just thinking of as you were sharing you know, just to, for us as a family, but for you, how far we've come. And I just want to recognize that because, you know, I was thinking I have some great memories from my childhood, even through teenage and college years of Christmas. And I think for you, there was some really, and it's going to get into our topic today, some, Mm -hmm. some really difficult memories and experiences. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we were young in our marriage, Christmas was a hard time for you in a lot of ways. And I think you've, it can still be difficult and we have to work through it, but I think 
that you've grown so much in that and you make it very special for all of us because of so because you have you know worked through some of that and, and you dive into it but I know it's not been easy yeah. so yeah well but do we share with them the most important part of our Christmas season sure that I have the last couple of years dressed up in pajamas and sent our girls Elf on the Shelf, my version. Oh, my gosh. And so I'll pose all over the house and in the car and different things like that. With I had no pajamas. idea where you were about to go with that. It's like, <laughs> that, yeah. Let's... And I send it to them, and they, they have posted it and posted it and posted it. I thought they would be embarrassed of it, but they have absolutely loved it. I have the hat and everything because Elf on the Shelf, I'm so glad if people want to do it. But I would have been very hard for me to do it, and so I'm. I kind of make fun of it. I don't think it was really around with our kids. I think no, they tried to make a it a tradition. Thing, and I swore I wasn't going to do it, yeah. and then when Pressure. your kids come home and they're like, yes. "Everyone, ha- why don't we have an elf?" Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. like, what, what's going on? So we have an elf, mm-hmm. but we keep it pretty chill, and mm-hmm. he just kind of moves around the house and like whatever. He showed up last night, and he brought matching Christmas jammies for them, and. Oh, well, that'll be the big thing. And after that, it will be him on a shelf, literally. Well, we might really be able to make this episode go viral if we share some of those pictures, Elf on the Shelf pictures. Yeah, for sure. We'll I'm going to need to see we'll that. Think yeah, we'll, we'll go there. Well, hey, as we flow into then this idea and this topic of navigating the holidays, you know, as we talk, good memories, referencing maybe some difficult memories, Stacy too, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to recognize that Christmas, the holidays in general, while they bring a lot of celebrations and a lot of expectations of fun and happiness and maybe joy, at the same time, they can be really difficult for a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. And that's one of the things we certainly want to talk with Deanna about. So, Deanna, just here, even looking as we're coming to the close of 2021, what would you say overall is the state of mental health? And we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording today. Just here in our community and maybe even a broader picture of what you see. Sure. So in anticipation of this, I kind of looked up some statistics and to just get a general idea of what what are things looking like? What are we seeing? Um, and, I'm, you know, I wish I had better news. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I mean, the reality mm-hmm. is that we've been in, you know, a pandemic for almost two years now. And that yeah. affects people mm-hmm. and in a lot of different ways. Um, so... At the end of 2019, 11% of adults um, had depression or anxiety. Okay. It's just not a great statistic, but it's not terrible. Mm. But as of October 2021, 28% oh globally gosh. have depression and 26% globally have anxiety. Mm. Wow. So um, mm. now the good news is, is that that number was 40% in January 2021, and now it's 28%, so that's better. Mm-hmm. It's an improvement. Um, you know, also those are two different studies, so we don't know, you know, how exact that is. But the point is it's not good. Sure. But um, one thing I will say that I think has been really positive is that there's been greater access for a lot of people to mental health services mm-hmm. because of telehealth. Because we have, for the first time in the history of the United States, been allowed to access mental health through telehealth. So that wasn't a thing. You could not use insurance for telehealth up until the pandemic. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. And so that was brand new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for a lot of people, being able to see a therapist on their lunch break and not have to take that extra time to drive to their office or whatever, or being able, if you're in a rural area, being right. able to access someone and use your insurance. Obviously, it was always an option to see sure. someone, but that's, I mean, that's a huge financial barrier mm-hmm. for people. So 
Um, and for us as therapists, being able to use people's mm-hmm. benefits, telehealth. So that that's great. However, as we were kind of discussing earlier, here in our community, we have a huge shortage of therapists. Mm-hmm. We actually have a shortage of therapists across the board for, mm-hmm. for all specialties. Um, so there is definitely, if you're looking for a career out there, um, we'll take yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, get trained and get out there. But definitely within, obviously, the eating disorder community, we have a huge shortage yeah. of therapists. Yeah. Um, and I know, Deanna, here in Oklahoma, one of the challenges that we face is that, um, just like you said, the, the, sor- the resources that are there are very centralized in some of our urban areas. Mm-hmm. And so if you're out, and, and we know that eating disorders are no respecter of, you know, any number of factors, but certainly including geography. Right. And so if you're out in, in a more rural community, um, getting help can be really hard. Right. So. And then, of course, you know, none of that that's all take, taking into account people who have insurance and can access. Right. And so right. obviously there are millions of people who mm-hmm. don't have insurance and can't access healthcare services um, and mental health services. So, I mean, I would say there's a little bit of a bright note there, some, right. some mm-hmm. good thing, but mostly, you know, it's it, this has really impacted people's health. And, mm-hmm. and everything I read, you know, said that it's really affecting at least especially globally, women more. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and the reason we, I mean, we know that because any time that the, um, there are stressors at home and they're all, women are going to take on those extra care tasks. Right. Women are going to take on managing more of sure. the household, all those kinds of things. And women are more likely to be impacted by job loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So their jobs are less secure and they mm-hmm. get paid less to begin with. So, um, so we know all of these things are impacting. Yeah. A number of factors there. Mm-hmm. But too, along with that, tagging along with that, Deanna, something that um, that you've just touched on is that people have often asked me, okay, when you've had an eating disorder for so long and you've needed counseling so long, why did you just go to treatment in the last within the last seven eight years when you've had it chronically for so long? And what I have often had to answer them, it's unfortunate, but that is treatment of any level can be a privilege. And we want it to be more mainstream, but if we would have taken me 10 years ago, we would be paying on that the rest of our lives. With insurance, even at that, it was a huge, huge deficit. Now, Doug always says, but you're here. So yes, that is a huge thing, but at the same time, so many people are on that line where they can't get help and and everything because yeah. of that. And even if you have, I think something that's really difficult for people to understand about the, you know, financial privilege of, of health care is even mm-hmm. if you have insurance, mm-hmm. you still have to pay high deductibles yes. and high sure. co-pays and mm-hmm. all of those things to access treatment, mm-hmm. especially at the inpatient level of care. Those you right. know, deductibles and those things are very high. Um, and, and then that's only with private insurance. Most treatment centers don't, don't take, take it. Medicare or Medicaid. Right. Yeah. Um, especially Medicaid. There's mm-hmm. a few that take Medicare. I actually don't know of any in the country that take Medicaid. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of research hospitals that if you're willing to participate in their research or willing mm-hmm. to do things like that, that they will take Medicaid. But you know, so that's a huge problem. Yes. Yeah. What are what are people who are you know on Medicaid or or dealing and struggling with poverty, what are they to do for mm-hmm. eating disorder treatment specifically? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a real problem. Yes, yeah. and I see that's where in in my personal life where I've seen loss happen. Yes. Um because of that that gap that you know basically cavern, you know, that is um there that is existing. But 
um, you know, um, as we move on and talk a little bit about specifically the holidays and, and everything, um, you know, I, I want to share that to those of you who are listening that we are going to talk about the, the reality of it because for me, it's really a mixed bag. I love, love celebrating. We celebrate everything in our house. As a matter of fact, when the girls have brought friends home, they're like, do y'all celebrate all the time? And we're like, yes, because we know what it's like to not have anything or feel like celebrating mm-hmm. because the morale at our home has been so down and everything. So yes, we do celebrate a lot of things. But um, in with that, a lot of tough memories can come, but then we celebrate the preciousness preciousness of life. So we have expectations for holidays that um, they have to be only happy. Why do you think, Deanna, in your personal experience that um, holidays can be so difficult, especially with those who are struggling with mental illness, such as I do, and the people that you see? Yeah. I think a lot of the reason that they can be so difficult um, is those expectations that we put on them. We put an expectation that something is going to be perfect. It is mm-hmm. going to be exactly what we pictured in our mind. Everybody's going to be happy. Everybody's going to be in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just not a realistic expectation. Sure. People have bad moments, bad days. Things don't look perfect. Mm-hmm. Things get messy. Things get broken. Or people fight. Or kids mm-hmm. wake up in bad moods. Or, you know, spouses come home in bad mo- Whatever. Like, Family drama happens. Family dynamics are difficult. Mm-hmm. All of that. And so I think one of the things that makes it so hard is that we're just, we're, we're not setting realistic expectations of what it's going to yeah. look like. That's right. And I also think um, there's some, for a lot of people, there's increased responsibilities mm-hmm. around holidays, mm-hmm. um, whether it be, you know, cooking or cleaning, social obligations, financial obligations. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of responsibility built into that. And then I think for anybody with any kind of family history of trauma or PTSD or Mm -hmm. anything like that, you're in your triggers. You are literally in the environment, whether it's going home to a hometown or seeing family members or things that bring up those memories. And even if you're not consciously aware of that, your body remembers and your body goes into that fight or flight mode just Mm -hmm. by being around those, those people or things or sensations. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you have to constantly be navigating that. So mm-hmm. so that's going to make holidays really hard. It, that's cannot be more... And it raises the anxiety. I mean, just when you were... I could just feel the anxiety almost as you were describing that of for people that are going back into those situations. And, and I think the expectations thing is so huge. Whether we set it for ourselves, we know that, you know, all the ads we see are trying to create an expectation, right? Of mm-hmm. what we should buy, what we should have, what Christmas should look like whether it's around the tree or on the table or whatever. So we can then feel that pressure on top of just all the things maybe that we ourselves or our family expects from us. Mm-hmm. Well, and just a side note in that, if you are in a treatment center or if you've been to a treatment center and you've been a resident there, um, a lot of extra processing and process groups happen not only after someone returns to residential, perhaps, or um, outpatient, intensive outpatient after a holiday, but even preparing for it, wondering, okay, is my dad going to say this? Is my husband, is my wife, is my, you know, sibling going to say this to me? So not to jump ahead by any means, but, you know, we want to give you this information in time for you to make a good plan. Because when you don't have a good plan, um, things do not go well. 
typically. And even if everybody on the peripheral of your life is saying, well, you know, that went pretty well when she came home or he came home from treatment for those couple of days to celebrate. But what is meaning to happen is for you to know without a doubt that whatever happened that was going on with you at that time is okay. And um, so, anyway, we're going to touch on that um, a little bit more. But. I think to give people grace, too, Stacy. one mm-hmm. of, I mean, one of our, it wasn't a long season, but one of our hardest seasons for you and I was the, the Christmas, which was just a few weeks after you came home from four months of inpatient stay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of those things like I felt like, and this is not to be a victim at all, it's because I was doing this. I was tripping up over everything that you shouldn't do, right? I mean, we laugh about it now, but like everything you shouldn't really do, I did for some reason or another because I either wasn't aware, wasn't thinking, you know, and it's kind of like, okay, we, we we had a really tough Christmas that year, but it was because it just was a lot to kind of work through and to, to, I think it was expectations. I had an expectation. You had a different one because you were just trying to get back into the flow of life and we were... We yeah, were, and that transition we home is failing. hard no matter when you <laughs> yeah. do it, yeah. let alone trying to do it over the holidays. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, if listen, if you're a listener and you're out there and you are planning to, you know, be home by Christmas or whatever, that is really hard. And mm-hmm. it, I always encourage if you can maybe just make that a pass home and stay, yes. do it. Sure. If there's any way that you can swing it, make it a pass and then come on back to I process. I couldn't agree more sure. because so I was supposed hard. to come home for the, um, home at Thanksgiving and be home. And after I came home Thanksgiving, because of the dynamic and everything, we were all trying so hard. We were so excited to be together. But it's at that point I realized, you know what? I need one more month. And that was very hard. Deanna, what, um, kind of with that in mind about, you know, the difficulties, challenges with the family, different expectations, what are some things people can do to stay engaged in their recovery during the holidays? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The first thing is don't skip or cancel your appointments with your team. That's right. Yeah, definitely. Don't do it. It's mm-hmm. going to be tempting. It's the end yeah. of the year and you're tired or you're busy at work or something is happening. Don't. Don't cancel them. Don't skip them. Make those appointments. Take your meds. Mm. If you're on medication, don't stop. Right. <laughs> don't yeah. stop. Um, and maybe also something to consider during um, the holidays. They are a high-stress time for people is to... Um, Make sure that you're talking with your medical providers and psychiatrists about, you know, is there, you know, like a, an as-needed anxiety medication you need? Is there an increase you need? Definitely don't do the I'm going to somehow magically come off all of my meds before the end of the year decision. Mm. That's never a good choice. Never. Um, never. So just, just those are two basic ones. But... I really encourage people to create a holiday survival plan where they really lay out their triggers, mm-hmm. um, what their anticipated feelings are, what they anticipate um, being, what they even with the triggers, like what are you going to sense? What right. are the things that might be smells or, mm. or feelings or people or just anything that mm. might be triggering? And you can't possibly identify them all, but right. it's good to have a good idea mm-hmm. of what might, might be there. Um, and then what are the anticipated feelings associated with those things? And then what are your coping strategy mm. and who are your supports? And then write it all out. Yes. And then I encourage you. my clients either write it out and then take a picture of it mm-hmm. or they put it as a note on their phone mm-hmm. so that they have it right there with right. them no matter where they are. Mm-hmm. So it can't be forgotten. It's not in a journal somewhere on your bedside table. Yeah. It is with you. That's um, right. That's I think so being right. intentional like that is so important mm-hmm. because it is just a step of preparation. 
But Stacy, you've talked about, I know you've done that before, is have that kind of a, just a plan in place with your mm-hmm. team of whether it be around a meal or whatever, if this gets really hard, sure. and, and, this is what I'm going to do. And just know that it will. Um, go ahead and plan for that because um, everybody, when they're trying to do their best, like you and I, we, like you were talking about a few minutes ago, you absolutely were trying your best. And so that's why we do laugh about it now. And in that moment, I had to remember, you know what? This world was designed for people who eat. This world is not designed for people who have issues with being a foodie or celebrating a full plate, a happy plate, all the things. And so I have to realize in those moments that people are probably going to say things. And so I need to already be prepared to just give them grace like you're talking about. But also not ever hesitate to be able to say, you know what, that's just not helpful. And that is very hard for me to do. Mm-hmm. It is so hard. And that that's my so next hard. thing okay, is, good, good. is Go boundaries. It. Yes. It is boundaries. Um, I'm horrible at boundaries. So <laughs> I'm getting there, but ah. When we talk about self-care, the most essential thing we can do for self-care is boundaries. Mm-hmm. Self-care is not just, you know, like I'm all for all the comfort items and wrapping up in a cozy blanket and wearing comfy clothes and taking a good hot bath and sure. all the things. Right. And also boundaries are our best asset for mm-hmm. self-care. And so that can be things like, you know what, let's change the topic. Right. Or being like, I just need a minute. Standing up and walking out of the room, going outside, getting some fresh air. Mm-hmm. Being able to um, tell someone, and, and I'll get to this a little bit more in a minute, but, um, you know, being able to tell someone like, no, I can't do that thing. Or mm-hmm. no, I don't want to do that thing. Or that's not what's best for me today. Mm-hmm. Because... Ultimately, you're responsible for your recovery That's and right. you're responsible for your self-care and nobody else knows what's going on in your head and they shouldn't mm-hmm. be expected to know what's mm-hmm. going on in your head. So ultimately, it's up to you to speak up for yourself. And it's so hard because you think it's rude, but it's mm-hmm. not. Um, Brene Brown always says clear is kind. Yeah, that's good. So when we're clear, good. we're being kind. And so when we're clear with someone and and we can always set boundaries in a loving and kind way, we can just say, oh, I don't want to talk about that right now. Mm-hmm. And then you change the subject. And you don't have to. It, yes, it's so true. It, it's not the more defensive as you as the patient or the one who is in recovery or recovering and everything is not defensive about it and can just go, you know, like you said, Deanna, let's just steer away from that a little bit or, you know, and this is something that you can talk with somebody who can be of support to you at your table or to go on a walk with you that's in your family and give them a heads up before you are at the event, at the at the celebration. It's so, so helpful for me just to go, hey, can you be my person today? And just go, can you help me with that conversation, re-navigate it? Uh, because I want people to want to be around me. I'm just having a hard time in my own skin perhaps right now. Mm-hmm. So, that's so, and I think fun. one thing maybe that we've seen Stacy too sometimes it's helpful is a boundary is just to even walk in knowing how long you're going to stay. If like mm-hmm. if you're at a family event, and typically a lot of times they can kind of be indefinite and ending, right? And and it can feel really stressful. Like you can be prepared for maybe two or three hours. Yes. But if we're going to sit there for six, seven, eight hours, that's mm-hmm. that can be really that's difficult. People with anxiety yeah. so, need a closing time. Yes. Yeah. You know. Um, Glennon Doyle talks about that all the time, which I love her. But she she talks about that. Like, she got an invitation to something, and it said 5 to 7. And she was like, oh, I'll go now because I know when it's ending. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that can be true when you're hosting. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be true when you're you're going. And Mm -hmm. so if you're hosting, you're allowed to set an ending time. 
Right. You are literally allowed to text people. We're going to have people over from this time to this time. Yeah. I love that. You don't have to leave it open-ended. Mm-hmm. And it's not rude. It's just that's... Right. But for someone with any kind of anxiety or certain personality characteristics, like it's not fun to have an open If you're an introvert at all, that's like your worst nightmare. Right. So it's like <laughs> yeah. just own that and be able right. to be like, and you know what? I tell people all the time, even if you're not an introvert, mm-hmm. it's like the socially acceptable thing to, mm-hmm. to say that. And so if you're an introvert you, or, or not, you can just be like, oh, I'm an introvert. I'm going to go ahead and go home. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, my battery's, yes. my battery is, is used up. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like it's always in that extra kind of extended time where... The things kind of go south. Yeah, oh, exactly. The conversation goes Stuff to some... Stuff goes sideways. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, because either somebody's had maybe a little bit too much to drink or somebody yeah, sure. just gets loose with their boundaries and yeah. all of a sudden you're talking about You've talked about through something. all the stuff you kind of knew to talk about and now you get off to this uncharted territory. Yes. But, but I think we've found that. It's like the extended unplanned time, that's when stuff goes sideways. I keep thinking every time it happens... Why am I falling into this trap again? Let's just be, we need to be better planned and we can prevent this from mm-hmm. happening. So that's another maybe good one that we need to practice and we try to practice, but it's out there. Well, yeah. and I've had to get to the point where I've realized that he can see when my demeanor's starting to change, when I'm getting tired and I might want to push myself. And sometimes he'll say, hey, it's about time for us to head on out, you know, and stuff like that. And it's not him being controlling, it's him protecting me, just going, you know what, you don't realize how, realize how tired you are and this is what we're going to look back on in an hour and you go wow I wish we would have left right well that's one of the things when you have any struggle with mental illness or you're struggling with an eating disorder Mm -hmm. you're disconnected from your body so you're not Mm -hmm. you're not feeling the signals inside that say I'm getting tired or I'm getting Mm -hmm. a little bit more anxious or I'm getting a little bit more irritable or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and and so sometimes it can be actually really good even just halfway through an event Mm -hmm. go take a moment whether that's just step outside on a balcony to get fresh air or just run to the restroom or whatever and just take a moment, mm-hmm. take some deep breaths, check in with your body. Where am I at? How much mm-hmm. longer? Am, what am I wanting to do here? Mm-hmm. And then check in with your ride and just be like, yeah. all right, I think I've got 15 more minutes in me. How you doing? Can we go then? And, and then you're all on the same page and everybody's good. And mm-hmm. the reality is as long as you came and you said hi to people, they're fine they're with you fine. leaving. They Absolutely. don't care. Yeah. They're so Absolutely. happy you were there. Just right. to get to see your face and just to get to maybe give you a little hug or something like that makes their party worth it um, or their celebration worth it. Absolutely. You don't have to stay longer mm-hmm. than you want to because nobody wants you to be uncomfortable. Right. right. Well, and you know, Doug, and you, you, all, we've all mentioned it in a certain way, um, planning ahead. And something that I've learned to do, I actually learned when I was inpatient and I was needing to come home and make a, um, have a visit was that uh, what you're referring to, uh, Deanna, is something that we actually call the 911 card. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of that? Yeah. Called that. Okay. I think that's what you were talking about and everything. And, and I made that. <clears throat> and I still have versions of that around my house. Who am I going to call? What am I going to do? When I was in treatment and I needed to come home for a few days, I would say, okay, please be expecting a call from me around this time to someone who is maybe still inpatient. I might need to take a picture of my food so that that way you can see how I'm doing. I need that accountability even though I'm at home. Don't want to make a big deal of it at home with people going, well, that's not much food or, you know, well, gosh, why I can eat double that amount or different things like that. Let's keep that door closed about Mm -hmm. that and go ahead and have that accountability so you're still taking care of yourself. And what I have is a 911 card and it's simple steps 
of what I'm going to do when I'm home. If I don't make that plan, I do fail. Yeah. And having Hands a down. Absolutely. Having a plan and having a schedule. Having a schedule. Um, and not just for social events, but having a schedule of, okay, so today is, you know, today's the big holiday and we're having one of the hardest things for people is that 2, 3 p.m. big meal. Right. Yes. Because that is not on a normal day. That's not what we do. Right. And for someone with an eating disorder and that rigidity and that lack of flexibility in the brain, that's mm-hmm. just your brain. It's totally cool. Yeah. But that's difficult. It so is. I always, one, make a plan with your dietitian. Okay, I know I'm having my big meal on at 2 o'clock. What should I do? And they will help you move around your meal plan and move things as needed. Um, and my best suggestion, what I always tell people, mm-hmm. is if your big meal is at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, you can just switch afternoon snack and lunch. Yes. You're like right. literally allowed to just flip-flop them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Problem solved. That's right. And you're not doing anything that feels extra. Mm-hmm. You're not doing anything. You're allowed to have extra just to say it. Yes. Right. Sure. <laughs> That's right. Your meal plan's your minimum. That's right. I'm sorry. That's right. You're right. It, your meal plan's your minimum. But if you don't feel comfortable with that or you're not a place in your recovery or that day where you feel like you're okay to do that, just flip-flop them. That's right, because I'll tell you one of the hardest things possible to do that um, when I learned that, that was such a break for me, Deanna, what you just said, um, was I was so afraid that I was going to be eating and no one else was. Mm -hmm. And when you don't ask and make that plan with your nutritionist um, ahead of time, your therapist who might specialize in it, then you are saying, okay, I'm setting myself up for these things to happen that I know I'm not going to do. I know I'm not going to do it. Right. I'm not going to sit at a table when everybody's in the living room or in the kitchen cooking and eat a meal by myself. No, you're so not going to do it. That's you, why planning when is you're, important. Especially um, if your whole family is you know, in the kitchen cooking, mm-hmm. you are not going to sit down and have a meal. Right. But almost everybody has some type of appetizer out yes. or relish tray out sure. or cheese and crackers out or whatever. So you can make a snack and you can have a snack with everybody else. Mm-hmm. At lunchtime, right. and then have your lunch at okay. two or three. That's right. And that, I mean, obviously, if your family does something different, you can work with your dietitian on what mm-hmm. that needs to look like. Not yeah. everybody's looks the same. That's just kind of a typical thing I see in you know American holidays is right. we tend to have that big, big family reel about three o'clock. And so, so true. if you yeah. you flip flop them, it's a great strategy. But that goes for all things. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's it's the holiday parties that it's it's a big appetizer. It's coming up with a plan sure. ahead of time of, okay, you know, dietitian, help me. Help me. How do I make a meal out of these appetizers? What does this look like? What do I need? Like, all those things can be planned ahead of time. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And the reason why I'm, I keep sticking with that being so important, too, is because I know and you know that if you have an eating disorder, that we're looking for any way to be able to say, well, that's not what I was able to do. And have lost a little weight or... um, You're looking for, when you're struggling with an eating disorder, you're looking for any way to to have an excuse. To lie. To cheat and lie. Absolutely. It's the way the brain works. It's okay. You can just own it. Like, and... And so knowing that if you set up a plan ahead of time, mm-hmm. you're going to be less likely to do that. That's right. And, and that's having... what we want you to do. That is, if you, that's all you hear today on this podcast, please keep listening because we're going to keep going. But if that's what you hear, the necessity, please do not assume that you're going to be in that moment and put that pressure on yourself and then look back and go, wow, I failed when you don't have to. You don't have to. And I want you to have that confidence when you go into the situation 
and make it through it and go, wow, I did it and I can do it again. That's right. Well, Deanna, I, I also wanted just to talk with you about what is some encouragement or guidance, just some just some things that you could say to pour into people who are listening, to pour into me as we come on to this time of year, that you would give to family and friends of those struggling with mental illness, um, eating disorders um, in this Christmas season. What are some things that you could say? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing, of course, is keeping those lines of communication open. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so check in, check in with your loved one, check in with your friend, ask them how they're doing. Talk to them before you go to an event and say, hey, is there anything you need before we go to this thing? Is mm-hmm. there anything I could, I, you know, I could do to better support you? What do you want me to know? I want to be your person tonight. How can I best do that? Wow. That's fantastic. Uh, that. If you are preemptive and they don't have to come to you mm-hmm. and say, hey, I really need you tonight. This is what I need you to do. Mm-hmm. But instead, if you as a loved one can just say, hey, I know we're going to this corporate holiday party thing tonight mm-hmm. and that's not super comfortable for any of us. What do you need for me tonight? How can I help? Or even just the family gathering, whatever mm-hmm. it is, whatever it is you're about to go do together. It's, hey, I'm here for you. What can I do? Sure. Um, and then, you know, of course, obviously, like implementing what they t- what they ask you to do and knowing that you're not going to do it perfectly and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's right. It's completely fine that you are trying and learning you are mm-hmm. not in your loved one's head mm-hmm. so you can't mm-hmm. possibly get it perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course for you who are you know struggling like you have to understand and give grace to that's your right. fa- your family that's and right. loved one. Mm-hmm. You know another thing that I thought of um is to, um, one of the ways you can support someone is offer to help with like to-do lists and tasks like during Mm -hmm. this time. Um, If, you know, this person is, you know, being expected to cook a big meal or being asked to like help with this, that, or the other, like offer to help with those things. Is there an errand I can run for you? Is there a, um, even as a friend, you can do that. You literally can offer to help run errands for your friends or to offer to run errands with your friends. That's that right. is something we That's do not so do good. well. Sure. So good. We don't do that well in our in our culture at mm-hmm. all. Right. Um, people in other countries are baffled by this. They're like, wait, so like American people just like do all their errands by themselves. And, huh. and they're like, that's so bizarre. Like, you don't mm-hmm. just, like, have a buddy that you just go, like, mm-hmm. run and do your grocery shopping with yeah. or go and do your, like, so go do some of these things that need to get done. Do, you know, holiday shopping together or whatever. You can do that as a family member, as a friend, as any kind of support person, and it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. The other thing is to offer to have, like, um, decompression time together. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you want to take a walk together? Um, if You know, obviously, if you're allowed to do that. Um do you want to just, like, you want to, like, get in our jammies and watch a Christmas movie? Mm. Do you want to just, like, get some, like, like some hot tea and go for a drive to look at Christmas lights? Mm. Like, anything you can offer. And that's also true if you're traveling. This is something I've discovered is that um, when we need to maybe get out of extended family's home while we're traveling there, mm-hmm. we will offer to go do anything that needs to get done just to get out of the house for a little bit, oh, yeah. to go yes. for a drive together. We've done that many times, haven't we, Doug? We're like, or we'll say, I'm hey. I'm like, hey, like, right, I'm first on the volunteer list here. Send me And he takes something. me with him, or Send we take the, the girls, and we all yeah. just use that as a little outing yeah. time together just to get a breather and go, how do you feel like things are going? It's a perfect oh. opportunity for check-in. Yeah. Yes. I have literally gone to, those, to the grocery store on Christmas Eve. Yes. Sure. <laughs> because somehow... Groceries had not been purchased yet. Yes. And so, I mean, not like one item, like all of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I got all of the groceries on Christmas. <laughs> I got out of the house and I got to just right. take a moment. Because we all need that sometimes. 
there, there's no judgment. I have no yeah. judgment towards the fact that you need a moment. We all need that. Listen mm-hmm. to yourself. Listen to you know what your mind and your body's telling you, and yes. take advantage. I've actually really been in circles of people who have needed that, especially during the holidays, and I've really respected them and envied them for having the courage to do that. Yes. You know, to to step out for a moment and to come back in so refreshed. And for me to make myself stay in there and push through and push through and everything and to not even um, feel like I probably added anything because I was so tired. I needed mm-hmm. that refresh for a moment and yeah. to give myself a break. Yeah, I mean, stop stop mind over mattering it. Like yes. that's, we shouldn't do that. That's not a helpful thing. Mm-hmm. And we need to really listen to what, what we need to do. And some of that helps us have reasonable expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking about expectations and setting reasonable expectations. Maybe the expectation shouldn't be that you're, you know, going to stay up until 1 a.m. talking to everybody mm-hmm. or right. that you're going to um, never need a moment. That's not mm-hmm. a reasonable expectation. That's right. One thing, too, I think we've done, especially in the last few years, is mm-hmm. just try... You know, we, we just came through Thanksgiving and just realize, particularly, I think, Thanksgiving, but Christmas, too, certainly, holidays built around food often with a with the big food focus, big meal focus. I mean, particularly for those that struggle with eating disorders, they can be really difficult experiences. And so, you know, we've found that, okay, we still have a meal as a family. A lot of times now it's just our four. Mm-hmm. Occasionally we'll be with others. But... I've also tried to then roll in and say, you know what, let's do something, Stacy, afterwards that you really want to do. Just, to, I don't know if it's not to necessarily celebrate, but just to just say, let's let's pause and take the focus off food. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, oftentimes in the past, we've just gone out and said, let's go do a little shopping. Maybe not intense, but just because it's fun to get out of the house. Now, this year we went out to try and we drove around, all the stores were closed. Now, I celebrate the stores being closed and the workers not having to work. Yes, absolutely. But at least it gave us a chance just to get out. But also in that mindset of there are certain limitations to traditions. Traditions have value. But also, if, if you're putting someone before yourself and ahead of yourself, realize the tradition may not be what's the healthiest thing for your loved one. Mm. And I think, to me at least, my loved one's mental health and what's best for them has got to be more important than a tradition. And we can still find really neat things, and, and there's going to be blessings even if we don't do the traditional thing. Absolutely. I think it's so important to look at, like, what brings you joy mm-hmm. and what yeah. is just an obligation. Right. That's a great point, yeah. And so, and that, and that can include anything. You know you're allowed to say no to certain gatherings right. or <laughs> holiday parties or whatever. Like, I mean, obviously there's some things, that, you know, we probably need to do, but you're allowed to say no to anything. You really do have that permission. Yeah. But it's realizing, like like you said, like, what's a fun activity that's not around food, yeah. right? You yeah. can go look at Christmas lights, go ice skating, go for, like... A, you know, a walk in the park or a stand in the park, you can go. I mean, there's so many things you can do. And if, and if somebody's struggle right. is, is maybe not with eating disorder, maybe, but it's with anxiety and maybe just uh, the stress of people, well, realize, like we just said earlier, be there for a little bit, but now let's go. Even if it's, you know, if it's the healthiest, thing, not, not to isolate. Isolation's not healthy. But if it's best to decompress, just like you said, with two people or even just giving your loved one the space to say, I know you want some time, and, and this is healthy for you to have time. I'm going to help protect that for you and create that for you. Absolutely. And, and so whatever maybe that struggle is, there's ways that you can find things around it. So, Absolutely. you can, yeah. And you can even have that as a, like a, a pre-holiday kind of like 
family or support or what your family of choice, whatever that looks like, meeting almost yeah. where you look at look at the calendar, look at all the things you have, schedule in rest days, right. schedule in downtime, mm-hmm. even when you're. Um, again, if you're staying at somebody else's house or something like that, being able to be like, yeah, it's really okay if like you go upstairs or go somewhere else and sure. like take a nap or mm-hmm. take a walk by yourself or get out and go to dr- yeah. for a drive. Like we don't have to be together at all times. All times, yeah. yes. And you know, Doug, what you just said about us being the four of us—that's something relatively new to us in the last since I've been home from treatment. And we get with a lot of people over the holidays. But it may be the actual day that we just are with the four of us. And um, that's just the way I can breathe a little bit. My sister will be, will have a whole house full. And I love that about her. And I will get there. And I will, you know, go maybe when it's died down a little bit or the day after or something like that. But in order for me to stay um, okay, um, she wants that for me more than she wants me to be there on that day when the house is loud and everything's going on. And I would push through that time and time again, but I would neglect myself. And I'm, I'm going to get there where I can do both. But right now, that's just what's best. And I missed so much when the girls were younger. But now it's so great because God gives us those things back, and he's given us this time with them, and it's been really precious. Well, I think we keep circling back to this. The key is planning. I mean, yes. in, in, in multiple ways, we're circling back to that idea. Be planned, have a plan. So, Deanna, um, you know, we, we've talked about this a little bit, but depression, anxiety, it seems like those two things, and I know that often they're umbrellas over a lot of different specific diagnoses that maybe, you know, a, a doctor or someone might, might be able to professionally prescribe for someone. But um, those things can just seem to feel worse during the holidays. So what encouragement would you give to someone particularly who's struggling with depression, with anxiety, during the the Christmas season? I mean, similar to some of the stuff that we've talked about, but I think the biggest one is um, Mm self-compassion. Is when we talked about expectations, we were kind of talking about external expectations, all of that kind of stuff, but internal expectations. Like, I don't have to set the expectation that I'm not going to be anxious. Yeah. I don't have to set the expectation that... I am going to be excited and cheerful and everything is going to be so wonderful right. if I'm feeling depressed. That's right. You know, um, you know, if we're actually going to talk about like the Christmas season, right. It's a, it, it, it is often like about like waiting right. and, and about like expectation and, 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 and darkness and right. all mm-hmm. of that. Well, we can embrace that mm-hmm. and, and we can allow that to be a part of ourselves. We can embrace the fact that we have sad parts of us and that we have maybe nostalgic parts of us that, or we have, or we have bad memories around the holidays or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, embracing that and, and owning that and letting that just be there instead of trying to pretend it's not and pretend that we're fine and pretend and put on the mask and all of that. And just, if we will do that, if we will acknowledge those parts of us, either with ourselves or, or with a professional or with our loved ones or all three, that would be ideal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then we can then maybe we, maybe we are able to, you know, cycle up a little bit and feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But when we pretend away and we don't acknowledge and we don't acknowledge what we're feeling in our body and what the emotions are, it does not go well. Right. And so setting reasonable self-compassionate expectations of like, okay, mm-hmm. like I can, I can do this and not be okay. Both can be true at the same time. That's right. And for people to actually get the blessing of you being your authentic self, 
is just great. I would much rather somebody be authentic with me and me know how they're actually doing, even if they don't tell me the whole story around it right then. It may not be that setting for them. But for me to know how they're actually doing so that I can become a part of their community, hands down, I'd much rather take that. Right. People want to join with you mm-hmm. in where you really are. Um, and like you said, that doesn't mean you have to tell them the whole story. You don't owe anybody anything, especially right. if, if they've not sure. earned the right to that vulnerability. That is totally fine. Or like you said, it's not the right setting. Mm-hmm. But you can just say, no, I'm just not feeling it today. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know what, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm I just don't want to go there right now, but it's, but this is where I am. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not, you know. Not doing so. And so they can join with you and yes. just give you a little pat on the back, a little hug, mm-hmm. whatever. And that is something that for those you, we asked about support people and what and families and what can they do. Mm-hmm. And it's joining with, not trying to fix, right? Yeah. That is always what you can do is to join with your loved one and just say, I'm so sorry that you're feeling that way. And I'm so glad you told me. You yeah. don't ever have to try to fix it or, well, then let's put some happy music on and make everything all better. I mean, sometimes a dance party is what's in order, but sure. often it's not. And that's sure. hard. And I, I struggle with that a lot. And I st- even even after all this time and, and we share our experience, mm-hmm. I can still fall into that trap of trying to fix it. And I think a lot of times when I do that, I just frustrate the situation more than I'm really being of help in any way. And, and the best ways I can be of help are just encourage, be present, to remind Stacy maybe of... of you know, what therapists have said, mm-hmm. you know, point to that. Just just be there instead of, hey, try this, try this, try this. Because then it's just, it's just more pressure and expectations. And right. it doesn't really fix something. You know, the first episode that we did of season two with the podcast, we talked about my experience in the summer, our experience in the summer. Yeah. And it was just really hard. And we had just really, I had really struggled. And I can remember... Um, that we talked about how, you know, it was just you saying, you know, I'm just going to be right outside the door, Stacy, if you need anything. Or um, yeah. I would even go outside and go, can I just even stand with you out here? All the things that we want to invest in in this podcast and sharing with you are things that did not just happen. <laughs> That's why we want to share sure. with you. Yeah. If, you know, if we can say <clears throat> something and speak into your life and say something to you that will keep you from having to trip in a certain way, then we want to do that. And by the same token, um, you might have noticed that I'm married to a really great guy, and so he has stuck with me through all of this. He says that we've stuck in it together, and of course we have, but surround yourself with people who are willing to do go with the ebb and flow of mental illness Um, And for them to be able to say, you know what, we absolutely did not have a good night, um, but tomorrow we're going to get up and we're going to try again. And what is that going to look like? And set that plan and have every intention of going with it again. Not a perfect plan. It can be messy. Something that my therapist always says, and I'm sure you would agree with this, is that recovery is not linear. It is messy, it is dirty, and if you want it to look any other way, you're going to be putting pressure on the situation, whether you're the one who struggles or you're the one who is struggling with someone. You're going to put an impossible um, precedence on them and and on yourself, and it will not end well. And what I want to say to you as someone who is surrounded by people who have blown it, and I've blown it, 
that if you just continue to keep walking it out one step and then the next, whether it be a holiday or not, speak what you mean and, and know that you deserve that because you are taking up space. Well, and in a good you, way. Yeah, definitely. And if, if you fail to plan one day, do the next right thing the next day. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's, right. that's kind of our mantra, do the next right thing. Yep. And if you fail one day, it doesn't mean your plan's shot. Absolutely. Pick it back up the next day and just start fresh from there. So, And I just want to say something to <clears throat> any of your listeners who maybe don't have the best support people yes. yet yes. or haven't really found that that family of choice or built a family that works for them or built a you know, group of friends or whatever that works for them. Like, There are people out there who yeah. know how to love you well. Mm-hmm. There are people out there who can learn how to do that. And if you if you don't have that, keep going. Keep mm-hmm. keep looking for people. Keep, you know, going to, you know, support groups in different ways of finding people who will get it and who will understand you. Yeah. Because there's nothing wrong with you. You are totally lovable. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's, That's right. beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Well, Deanna, we are so appreciative of you being with us. And just, mm-hmm. you're a friend to us, and, and we so value you and your expertise. Absolutely. And all all really you bring to this this area of treatment, not just for your patients, but to our city and to our state. And so mm-hmm. we really appreciate that. You've meant a lot in our lives. And um, yes. just because we, we always try to wrap this up as we talk to our guests but just as we're going into this time of year, what is something for you? It could be personal, it could be in your professional life. That is just what's bringing you hope right now. What's something that is hopeful for you? Yeah. So I was thinking about this, um, and I have so many answers that sure. I could give. Um, but I think the biggest thing that is giving me hope right now is is my community. I have just a great um, group of people and 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 friends and community in my. Um, kind of church community that are just giving me so much life and so mm-hmm. much hope. And um, it's, uh, they're, you know, newer relationships formed in the last few years and they are so deep and they're so rich and mm-hmm. um, just people who show up for one another and care deeply about each other and their community and um, who, you know, are mm-hmm. just my, you know, social justice warriors and all these things and I just love everything about it and so it, that's just really giving me a lot of hope in our city and in our world so that's mm-hmm. great well that's a lot of times we need others in our lives to help us see hope mm-hmm. and we feel hope through other people many times too and mm-hmm. we feel that the hope that God gives us we feel through other people well as we wrap up today we want to thank you our listeners mm-hmm. for being a part of this um what a what a needed topic, and I know for all of us, this idea of how to how to best navigate the holidays and the challenges they present to all of us. So thank you for listening. Um, you know, if you're out there, uh, we'd love for you to follow along with our podcast. If you've not yet subscribed, uh, you can be notified every time a new episode comes out. We'd love for you to subscribe. Um, we'd love for you to follow us on social media. Uh, for many of you, if you're still looking for a Christmas present or a great resource. Stacy's got a book that she's written about her experience. It's called You Are Worth Saving, and it's a great resource. You can find links to that on Amazon. You can find it on our social media. Um, there's some, some offers that Stacy's had to sign books and send them out. There's still time to do that for the Christmas season. So we'd love to, to connect with you in that way if you'd like a copy of that and just let us know. and We can, we can work out getting that sent to you. Um, you know, one of the things I think that for us that is so meaningful this time of year and I just keep being drawn back to this this one verse from the Bible. 
but it comes in, in John chapter 1 as, as he's talking about the birth of Jesus, and he just says, the light has shined into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I know that that, that covers so much darkness. I mean, that, that's being applied to the darkness of our world, the, dark, the evil that we experience. But I, I think, too, I bring it home to us in our experience in that it also means that the darkness of mental illness is not too dark for the light of, of the hope of this season of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we just want to even encourage you with that as our listeners today, that that, that hope is there, that light is there, and, and God, as is, is Dan, as you shared, that, that you know you are loved and that um, there's nothing you could do today that would make God love you any more or make you love you any less. And so we hope you experience that and feel that as you go into this Christmas season. We just want to wish you a, a wonderful and blessed right. year. But until then, uh, God bless everybody. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks, Deanna. Thank you for having me. You bet.